Dukes has twang. Does your mayo have it? Do you ask for it by name when you go out to eat? Do you display your devotion to it for all the world to see? Can it elevate your lime cilantro aioli to a level that's borderline holy? If not, you're probably using the wrong mayo. That's because only Duke's mayo has twang. It's that little southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Get Duke's. It's got twang. Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Friday, everybody, and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Duke's Mayo. This is episode 244. Mac and I have to start thinking what the heck we're going to do for 250, but that's our problem, <laughs> not yours. Um, but thank you for tuning in. We've got more bowl previews and we have a repeat guest, Mac. That's not something we've had that much this year in terms of they've been on twice in the same season. And this guy's one of our favorites. He, there's no question about it, KG. And when you're looking at this, we're kind of mapping out the bowls, and we're like, hmm, who can we talk to? What, who, what's a great student athlete that the people want to hear from? And there's no question about it. To me, it was Riley Leonard from Duke. I mean, this is such an impressive young man. The first time we spoke to him, we referenced that a couple of times in this interview where we're just like, man, it feels like so long ago. So much has happened Seriously. since then. And, and just when I think of Duke, KG, I always reflect back to our episode where we're previewing the Blue Devils. We're talking about them. We're talking about expectation. And I sit here, sat here and said, you know, one ACC win would be cool. Like that, that would be awesome improvement. Uh, and here they are potentially winning nine games. Big reason about that. Riley Leonard had a bunch of fun talking to him right here. We jump into a couple of different things. Uh, but here we go. Let's get to the interview with Riley Leonard. Riley, welcome back to the show, man. A ton has happened. I was looking back at when we last spoke to you, man. It was week two. We were going into the Kansas game, uh, excuse me, Northwestern game, and, and so much has happened since then. What a ride it has been for these Duke Blue Devils and you this season, man. It's had to be fun. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun, especially, you know, coming from week two when we last talked. Like you said, a lot of things have changed. Uh, you know, we've gotten a lot better over, over the course of the season. Um, just super grateful for the season that we had. I think it could it could even been it could have been a little better than it you ended up being, but uh, super happy to you know kind of go out on top uh, for the seniors and then hopefully get this bowl win in a couple of weeks. Well, we'll talk about. I think you may be alluding to some of the the close losses. We'll we'll talk about some of those. But I remember Riley talking with you back in week two, and you were very confident. And you know, Mac and I are thinking, man, we really like that kid. He's great. I mean, obviously he can dunk. He's a hooper. We like that. But, you know, no one's expecting much of Duke. And then y'all go out and you're looking for your ninth win in this bowl game, which is just special. So a lot of it, I'm sure, had to do with Coach Elko. And what was the difference, man? I mean, how was he able to galvanize this group to get them to this this precipice of a ninth win? How was he able to do it? Yeah, Coach Elko just made us believe. I mean, it, it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but if you really believe that you can win um, – it doesn't matter who you have on the team. We may not be the most talented team in the ACC. We believed every week that we were going to win the game. Uh, and that really just, it goes a long way. Uh, we trusted each other. We had each other's back and we had the coaches back. So we, we it was really just about trust and believing in each other. Uh, and, you know, that kind of paid, you know, showed, you know, that, that I can take you to, to win some ball games. Yeah. 
What did it mean to you to see your coach win ACC Coach of the Year? It meant everything. Uh, from the fir- very first day he stepped in, into the office, uh, he kind of had that demeanor about him that he was going to change the program. Mm. And that's all he thought about for the last, whatever, 12 months. And f- to see it pay off, uh, you know, it really means something to us. You know, I know it meant something to him. And, he, and he's not taking any credit for it. He Like, from the very first time he got the award, he, he said that it was our award, it was the coach's award. He's, he's a very unselfish coach. So, um, you know, for the whole organization, it was really cool to see. That's great to hear that, man, because I feel like that's the that's the piece to be a great coach. That's the piece to be a great quarterback. When good things are happening, it's because of other people. When bad things are happening, it's because of me. And yeah. that's just kind of the, the nature of it. And that's awesome to hear that he, you know, expressed that to you guys. And I, I know he truly believes that. And I know you guys do, too. It was collective effort to see that. What impresses me most, you, you talk about the different things and you talk about, man, we we were close. Like we were really close to having, you know, a, a historical and unbelievable type season. And, and what impresses me most is, is not just those wins where you guys, man, look so impressive, but also how you lost. And that might sound crazy, but four games by one or less score. And, and you look at Kansas, seven points. You look at Georgia Tech, three points where you're down big, come roaring back, force it to overtime. UNC... You pretty much have the game won, and then there's a penalty that I don't think it was a penalty. You probably don't think it was a penalty. Touchdown <laughs> comes off the board. Lose by three at Pittsburgh. You know, lose by two there. I'm not saying, but I'm saying, man, we're, we're like right there, and there's a chance to go and get a ninth win in, in this bowl season. KG kind of alluded to it in that second question, but what has been the biggest change? Because you guys didn't go to the transfer portal and get a ton of different guys. You didn't have this massive four- and five-star class come in. You had what you had. You had a new staff, and you figured it out. Yeah, we, we had each other's backs, and we trusted each other. Like I said, um, you know, whenever I step on the field, I got five offensive linemen that I'm very, you know, in sync with. I know exactly who they're going to. I know exactly what's happening. Um, and then, you know, the receiving core as a quarterback, I mean, I, I really just – I got ten guys around me that are going to make plays at all times. So, um, you know, I think that any situation, any defense that anybody runs against us, we have guys that can beat it. Uh, so – I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. And then defensively, our scheme was completely different. Uh, and and they they did a tremendous job, you know, creating turnovers this year, as we as we uh, tell in the stat sheet. I think we were mm-hmm. plus 15 turnover margin throughout yeah. the year. Yeah. Uh, so that's I mean, that's just it goes a long way. Did, did you see like a mindset change from the guys? Was it just coaching? Because, again, I don't want to you know beat this thing to death here, but you had the same players. Like, you had the same players that were there last year. And I know you were the quarterback. That's a huge difference. I mean, when you have a guy, it's a big difference there. But was there a mindset change just with this staff and maybe what they expected, what they asked of you? What did all that look like? Because it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's funny you point point that out. We really are just a bunch of backups from last year. Uh, <laughs> me, the, the running backs, uh, most of the receiving core, uh, and then our defensive secondary, a lot of just backups from last year. So it's, it's funny to see the, the turnaround. Uh, but that turnaround just comes from, you know, guys just buying in, uh, you know, buying into the program, buying into everything that we're taught. Uh, and then and then just like the hard work that we put in this offseason uh, and really knowing that we can win each game every week. So, you know, all credit to those guys. That's a heck of a sentence. We really are just a bunch of backups from last year. I mean, that, that's amazing. And Riley, I'm sorry that Mac had to rehash every single loss, but, you know, we just want to educate the listeners. It's good case, losses. It's good quality losses. In case they forgot. We can also yeah. rehash all the wins. One of the wins we want to talk about is the win over Wake Forest in the year. I mean, you were just 
ridiculous. 400 total yards, four touchdowns, completed 71% of your passes. Um, how did how do you feel you specifically? Because obviously you started off great as well. But how do you feel like you developed throughout this season from game one to that weight game? Yeah, I think that just comes down to being comfortable um, in every situation. Uh, I think we had a we had a drive against Wake with about two minutes left. Um, and earlier in the season, I, I think I probably would have been um, a little antsy. Hmm. But when we got down to you know the final drive of the last game of the season, I've been through so so much. Uh, so really, just comfort sitting in the pocket, throwing the ball, uh, and really just not 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 being scared to fail. I think that would mm. be the biggest thing. Wow. Um, you know, I'd failed multiple times uh, throughout the season, as we as we kind of talked about, not you know pulling away with those wins. You know, I learned from that, and I learned that you know losing to UNC in the biggest game of our year is the worst that can happen. You know, I'm not scared to fail um, in any other situation. So. Uh, that would be the biggest thing for me, for sure. Man, and, and you know what I really saw throughout this year, Riley? You talk about that development, getting better, not scared to fail. The the first thing, or the last thing, excuse me, that I that we asked you but way back when about, hey, you're a really good basketball player, you're a really good football player, how'd you choose? And your answer of, there's only one position in all of any sport that can control everything, every single play, and quarterback, that just resonated with me all year long and watching you play I saw that. I saw you take such accountability, whether running it, throwing it, taking command, leadership. And that that's where I saw growth. Exactly what you just said there. A moment wasn't too big. Like, you, you grew into this QB1. It was really fun to watch that, man. Let's look at Military Bowl really quick. We'll get you out of here. I know you got some finals, some tests, and a Duke. We don't play around with that. We got to get you back to, to <laughs> Wait, school. Wait, Max, do you remember when we asked him which class is the hardest? He said right. all of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Oh, yeah. Duke, oh, yeah. We were like, sticking with it. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, let's look at this thing because it's actually kind of weird as I'm doing this you know, film study and getting ready for this game, probably similar to you are. You guys on paper are identical almost. You're giving up the same amount of points. You're scoring the same amount of points, same amount of yards, offense and defensively. You've got a quarterback uh, in yourself and Plumley that do it all for your team. I mean, you guys have kind of been preparing for this game all year, just going against each other in practice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be a great matchup for us for sure. They're a you know, very talented team. And like you said, you know they got a great quarterback on their hands. Um we actually train with the same guy back home, so it'll be good to com- compete against each other. Even more, uh, even more things. It's oh, just yeah. the same matchup. <laughs> yeah, 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 it'll be great. Um, yeah, and then to play in the military bowl, uh, you know, it's a great honor. Uh, I'm, I'm a very patriotic person, so uh, to play at Navy Stadium, it'll be a, you know, huge milestone for me. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can give those guys in the service a good show. When, when do you guys head out? When do you head up there? We we, did, we leave the 23rd. Awesome. Do you know any scheduled event? Is there any cool tours or things, activities that you guys are doing while you're there? Uh, I'm not sure, but hopefully, you know, we'll be able to check out the museums, go to the White House and see all that cool stuff. <laughs> I love it. I can see a little little history buff there, Riley, which I'm a big history buff. Mac makes fun of me. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last one, Riley, and then we'll let you go study. Um, what are some keys? Give us some keys for your offense in this game if you want to pull out that ninth win. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just going to be slinging the ball around. Uh <laughs> which you know I'm all I'm all for uh you know towards the end of the season I think I think me and the receivers really started to click more and more each week uh you know especially that last game so uh we're, we're gonna have to take advantage of our matchups like I kind of talked about it before we got guys for for everyone you know if I want a long ball somebody somebody that can run past guys you know I'm going to Mir Hagen's I need a 50-50 catch 
Jordan Moore, if he's pressed one-on-one, I'm going to Jalen Calhoun. And we got Eli Panko back for, you know, more mm-hmm. contested catches. So, you know, I don't think there's anything that can stop us. I'm excited to see it, man. There's going to be – whether you get this win or not, which I think you're going to, there's going to be a lot of excitement into 23, a lot of expectation. I know that I know that you're feeling good about that. Excited to see it, my man. Thank you for joining us today, buddy. Uh, go, go get after those books. All right. Thanks a lot. God bless. Man, just so impressive every time we speak to Riley Leonard and, and just his poise, his – you know, just he has it. He has that mm-hmm. it factor, KG. And, and it's still a little innocent. Like, just when I hear him and see the way he says things, I'm like, this guy's not a killer. And then he He's puts so that helmet young. on and he just goes. And it's like, you're not stopping me. I'm going to win this football game, whatever it takes. Uh, very impressive. Big shout out to Kat. Thank you uh, for, for hooking us up there. Finals week. I don't know what kind of crazy final he had, but he had to go. He had to skedaddle quickly out of the interview and, and go get it done. But, you know, KG, something that is, is you know, talk about skedaddling and moving quickly. Something that's quickly approaching here, the Christmas season. Christmas is on its way. I've been trying to think of some good things to get some people. Could you, could you help me out there with anything? Mac, you know, you can never go wrong getting your friends and family and your loved ones some mayonnaise for Christmas. It's, it's, it's never a bad idea. And I would actually encourage people this year, you get your Duke's Mayo Leave some mayo out for Santa. I think Santa would appreciate that. Some, I mean, maybe look, Santa probably gets tired of cookies at every single house. He needs some sustenance. I'll leave him a ham sandwich. Put some mayo on there. Put some mustard wow. on there. I feel like Santa's a big toppings guy. He likes all the condiments. Throw some pickles. I, I'm just really craving a sandwich right now, so I think that's part of it. But that's what I would do, Mac. Just me personally. Yeah. And I, I, the, the place to get this is Duke's Mayo, as we know. I, I understand that, KG. Um, the, 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 what do you think Santa's favorite Duke's product would be? Out of Ooh. all the sauces, all the mayos, all the mustards, mm. what do you think number one is? Well, I think Santa can could throw down some barbecue. Like, I think Santa, okay. if, if you really are feeling generous, you can make Santa some barbecue, some wings, like <laughs> Mac does with the Carolina Gold or whatever. Come on. But, you know, Santa in many ways is a traditional figure. And I think he just wants some solid Duke's mayo on that sandwich. That's what I think he wants. And we do too if much you really to want to spice things up for Santa, you put a little brown sugar bourbon mustard on there for him. Oh, man. Santa's going to leave you so many good presents, Matt. So, here, so here's, many good here's, presents. here's what I was going with. I was going with the classic, just regular old Duke's Mayo, 100 years, same recipe is still yep. going. And you you read my mind. We, we just have done too many podcasts together. You know where I'm going with this thing. Guys, go check it out. Duke'sMayo.com. Anything you want, whether you live in California, whether you live in another country, you can order Duke's Mayo. And I have to give another shout out real quick. So I, I follow this guy. Uh, his name's Matt Pittman. He's a big cooking guy. He's a smoker on, on mm. all things. Traeger is his biggest thing there. And he was doing this little recipe I was watching intently, just trying to learn some new tricks. And he, the the recipe he's using calls for mayo. And he didn't say anything. It was just in a white container or a clear Mm. container. He's pouring the mayo in. So I'm like, dang, I wonder what kind of mayonnaise he uses. At the drop of a hat, he goes, y'all know I use Duke's mayo. It's my favorite mayonnaise. So big shout out all the way in Texas. uh, They got that twang as well. So everybody knows what time it is, KG. That was like a six minute Duke's mayo thing. We need to send another invoice for that. That was, that was big time. <laughs> I'm excited for Santa this year and for the possibility of the different things he's going to receive as he gets to every house. So I'm happy for you, Santa. And if we played a little part and you getting a little something different, um, you're welcome. And speaking of invoices, we could put that in the mail. Okay, Mac, <laughs> three bowl games here that we must discuss. 
And we'll start with the military bowl because we had Riley Leonard on the military bowl. Duke eight and four versus UCF nine and four, 2 p.m. on ESPN on December 28th. So after Santa has come, Duke is a two point favorite right now. The total 62 and a half. That's a pretty large total for some of these bowl games. I would say that's one of the higher totals. And you said this to Riley. I think this is one of those bowl games that we really like because the two teams are so similar. So it's not necessarily a a clash of styles. It's just which team's going to execute better. I think that's what this comes down to. And you also have the John Reese Plumlee situation where he hurt the hammy. He struggled in the AAC or against Tulane in their last game. And their backup is a true freshman. Their other backup, Mikey Keene, has already entered the portal. So that's something to watch for UCF. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I'm very intrigued just to see – you know, what does this game look like? I mean, is, is it going to be a, a spring game between UCF and, and Duke respectively just because these games or these teams are so similar? I mean, it's, it's a mirror image when I'm looking at, you know, points given up per game. UFC give, or UCF gives up 23. Duke gives up 23. When I look at points scored, UCF 34, Duke 33 yards. Everything aligns yeah. so much in, in their style of play. Then you dive into it more. Quarterbacks are the exact same player. Like, they're going to kill you with their legs. They're going to kill you with their arm. They want to be that guy. I mean, I'd, so, I'd take Riley over Plumley though. I think if you ask Gus Malzahn, he would differ with you. <laughs> but, yes, I agree. I would also take Riley. Um, but I, I just think it comes down to exactly what you just said. Who knows their game plan better? Who can make the least amount of mistakes? Who can force the other team into making mistakes? And as Riley told us, Duke's been really good at that all year long, at creating turnovers, creating those extra opportunities. When I look directly like on the field, you kind of take quarterback out of it because I think that's a, a blatant, obvious you know difference in, in these Duke teams in recent history here. Riley just playing at such a high level right now. Forcing turnovers has been something Duke has just not been able to do, and they've given it up a ton. I mean, you look They're at the one of the worst in the years, country. One of the worst in the absolute yeah. country. And so now they've completely flipped that around. That's a mentality. That's a mindset. And that, to me, is the biggest difference, why we've seen them have this instant success you know, so quickly. So Duke, Riley, playing at such a high level. Duke has won four of the last five, probably should have won all five of them. I, I I was I went a little hard on Coach. You were Elko. rubbing those in, Mac. <laughs> well, not on him. I just wanted to point out that I mean these guys could legitimately have been undefeated. I mean it's not out of yeah. the the case at all for them to have done. They were right in Playoff every game. Duke. Yeah, I mean you're you're in overtime with Georgia Tech. You you lose the game just because you fight back. You lose North Carolina. You scored the game winning yeah. touchdown yeah. and it was wiped off the the board because of a, a high low call that was awful. Pittsburgh. A going for two silly situation that I hated. I thought it was a, a bad coaching decision that you didn't need to make. And then, of course, Kansas, you lose by seven. That was probably the, the only one out of all those that I don't think Duke should have slash could have won that game. Like Kansas, they were kind of beating them down. Duke had to come back. All the others, they're right there. So, I mean, you're talking about how impressive that is is to see there. Um, I, I'm just excited to see these guys one more time. Me too. And before we pick this game, I want to ask a question here that I I didn't really want to ask Riley because I didn't want anything, (laughs) any kind of um, back and forth to come. But Duke beat Wake. They didn't play NC State this year. They lost to UNC on what was a pretty bad call, as we've Mm -hmm. discussed. Mm -hmm. If they get their ninth win, if UNC doesn't beat Oregon, which honestly neither of us think that's going to happen, NC State gets their ninth win, but the two didn't play each other. Could Duke 
claim that they're the best team in the state, I think they'd have a legitimate argument. As we're talking about this, let me just go to the old Eric McLean power rankings because <laughs> I've already put this out and I don't suspect it will change too much. But my final power rankings here, KG, as I'm scrolling, sorry, bear with me here. Mac I have UNC because I'm actually going to my notes. I'm a big, are you oh, okay. a note? Are you a note gal in your phone? Probably not as big as you. I have okay. a little sticky note on my desktop and that's where like I keep my entire life. Okay. I'm it's probably similar, not safe. But right here, same. I agree. It's not safe. Uh, so my final power rankings, just because, and a lot of people were, were mad about this, but it is what it is. Sorry, deal with it. I had UNC at three because they're in the ACC championship. I know they lost their last whatever, but I had and to put some respect. They right. did. Like, even if to, it was a bad call, yeah, they beat them. I had to put some respect on that. So all these NC State fans are like livid. They're like, we just beat them. How are we behind? Well, you know, you didn't take care of business when you should have. Sure. And, and you could have. Uh, so I had them at three. I have Duke at four. If we see these two lose and win, yeah. Duke will be the best team in North Carolina going wow. into the preseason. No question about it. There you go. Mac has answered my question. Look out. <laughs> but I think a big part of that is winning this game and beating yeah. UCF. And sure. for me, my pick here, Mac, I'm going to give you two reasons why. I've got some numbers for you. Duke is one of the or was one of the best teams in the ACC this year against the spread. Duke went eight and four against the spread this year. That's very good. Wow. That's very good. And some of that is the Vegas was very slow to catch up on That's how good right. Duke was. We told y'all, and Vegas was yeah, like, eh, but they we're took advantage. Slow play. We're slow play. Like they were, um, they were underdog at Northwestern. I mean, that come on, that wasn't going to happen. And then even better, in their last six games, they're five and one against wow. the spread. Duke minus two. That's what I'm taking here. I think the Plumley injury plus some other guys that UCF's number one receivers opted out. Duke hasn't had really any opt outs. Give me the Dukies in Annapolis minus two to win this game. <laughs> I love it. I think that that's right on the money for all those reasons that you just said. Another concerning factor just with, you know, JRP with, with Plumlee and his health, like shoulder, yeah. hamstring, that, that ain't great, you know, to, to be a quarterback and to be a mobile quarterback at that. that ain't great. Uh, to, to have to deal with that going against a, a high-powered offense, as we've seen Duke be. Um, I think the receiving core for Duke is just playing at such a high level. I mean, we, we saw Calhoun go for 170 in the last game. We saw uh, Jordan Moore go for 199. I'm going to give him 200 in the second-to-last game. They're playing at a really high level. I, I just think they continue to ride that out. I think they really took advantage of this, you know, kind of bowl prep season. That's just kind of the the coach uh, that, that that I think they have and the mindset that I think they have in Coach Elko. So I think Duke's going to be fine. The over under is interesting to me because that is yes, a big number. It's high. I think because of the Plumley question mark, I think I'm going to go under. I think that's safe. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't know if if he goes down. Or if he's unable to be 100%, does UCF have the ability you know, to score 40-plus, to score 30-plus? I, I just don't know. So I think the under is a safe bet here, but for sure, hammer Duke. And considering this game's in Annapolis, it's not in a tropical location. And considering it has rained on the East Coast for um, 70 straight days, I could see some weather here. Who, who's better prepared for the cold weather, UCF or Duke? Probably Duke. Naturally? From a team that lives in yeah. Orlando. I would say. That's this is honestly right. one of the picks I feel the best about. Really? Whoa. Great guarantee. As as you're you guaranteed it like six weeks ago. So you have <laughs> to you have to ride this out. Um, what's the number one that you're most confident about? Honestly, probably Clemson because I just think Tennessee is gonna be a shell of itself. Yeah. Clemson. So 
Clemson's getting close to that. Um, yeah. I, I'm going with FSU. Like, well, to oh, me, FSU, duh. FSU as well. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. Number, that's a number. Anyway, I digress. Let's move on. What do we have next? Okay. We have the uh, – I didn't even write the bowl down. I'm sorry. I forgot pinstripe. Pinstripe, pinstripe, baby. There we go. The pinstripe. There it is. <laughs> pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium. Syracuse 7-5 and five versus Minnesota 8-4. and four. This is a 2 p.m. game on December 29th. Minnesota, as of now, is a seven and a half point favorite. The total is forty two and a half, which is one of the lowest that I have found in all of bowl season. Not good, Bob. And Mac, Syracuse has weirdly had success in the pinstripe bowl. They have the most pinstripe bowl wins ever with two. Let's go, Syracuse. This is where you want to be. Now, the the big issue here, the two issues are A, Syracuse has had a lot of turnover, losing an eye and just, you know, different and losing um their DC as well. Yeah. Different guys are going to call plays. That's that's different. And then you have Minnesota, who's playing really, really well. They are balling out right now. They're playing with a ton of confidence, yep. and they do what you're really bad at defending, which is running <laughs> the ball with Ibrahim, who is a monster. Yeah, all those things. Uh, very <laughs> concerning. Very concerning. When I look at this game, when I saw the matchup, I mean, the, the first thing that I go to is, Oh my God, here they go. Like Minnesota's going to run the ball 50 times. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's their strength and it's Syracuse weakness. And on top of that, you're losing your offensive coordinator in an eye. I don't feel as bad about that one just because, you know, Jason Beck deemed the OC, named the OC, not interim. He's going to be full time. He's been with an eye like forever. Like yeah. I think he played with him or played under him and then was, was with him on staff at BYU. And then, of course, you know, they, they, it's going to be lockstep. Now, he might have some little things that are different that he likes or that he wants to do, but it's going to be a very similar offense. The defensive side, Coach White was a genius. That 3-5-3 three, three, or 3-3-5, three, three, excuse me, was – it's hard to coach. It's hard to come up with, and that's why we. it took some time, you know, for Syracuse to get really good at it. And when they were, you know, you, you see that they're on lockdown. They're also missing their two best corners – Garrett Williams, ACL, he's out. Deuce Chestnut, he's hitting the portal. Somebody's getting a really good defensive back yeah. wherever he ends up. I just – I don't know how they're going to be able to to rally defensively because I saw on that five-game losing streak, the teams that they played, KG, really took advantage of that lack of size, lack of depth. And that's – I mean, if Ibrahim plays, I mean, that's what they're going to do. That's the exact same thing. I mean, this dude has like a billion yards rushing – a uh, whole lot of touchdowns. He he is the heart and soul of Minnesota. And so to me, I just, I don't know. I mean, the, the only hope that you have is your offense has to be hidden. Your offense has mm-hmm. to be healthy. We've seen that trio do it. We, we've seen Schrader, Tucker, Gadsden play at a super high level. Do they all three play? Are they all available? I just don't know that yet until probably kickoff, to be quite frank. But we haven't heard – that they aren't. So I think that's a good sign. Yeah, but at no, this point. you know, unless it's just from the player, like Dino ain't telling you nothing. Sure, like he, sure. But he's not going to tell if you. If one of those guys was entering the portal, I feel like, like you've talked about, Mac, with DJ, you got to get in the portal early because you've got to yeah, make sure you true. have all your options available. Very true. And I don't true. see really any of those guys opting out. I think Ibrahim is the question because he's so good. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like he's going to play. I mean, he's such a workhorse. He's the kind of guy that to me is just like, <laughs> There's a football game I'm playing in it. Yeah. Are you yeah. I mean, 39 carries against Iowa. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. crazy. That's crazy. Sean Tucker would kill for that. <laughs> um, my two numbers to know here, Mac. Syracuse has lost 13 of its last 16 games versus Big Ten opponents. Wow. So that is interesting. How the heck and did then, you find that? Where did you find that? I have my sources. Wow. That's incredible. I have my sources. <laughs> 
Syracuse is only averaging 19.8 points per game over its last four games, Not which good. isn't as surprising. I mean, Not we good. kind of have seen that with Syracuse. Even though I hate the number seven and a half, I hate that number. <laughs> because if Minnesota wins by a touchdown, you lose. You lose. I, I still just think Minnesota's going to run all over them. I'm going to take Minnesota minus seven and a half. Oh, but you're going to lean with the orange. You tricked me. I thought me about there. it because just because me. the number. Yeah. Um. I I just don't. I don't have confidence in the defense at all. I, I think that it took an absolute miracle for them to get to that seventh win, scoring 26 points in the yeah. fourth quarter against a very very bad Boston College team. Um. I just don't see it happen. I think Minnesota wins. I think they win rather convincingly. And it might not be reflected as much in the score, but I think it's a dominant game. I think they hold the ball a lot. I think they run the ball at will and shorten this game down. And and I think Minnesota gets it done. So I'm taking them. I think the under is really in play here. I was going to say, do you have the guts to take an under on 42 and a half? As low as it is, I think that's (laughs) surely in play. Just because I I think Minnesota's going to play keep away. I think it's going to be run left, run right, run up the middle, pitch it, whatever you want to do. And we're going to eat the clock up. So unless they're just breaking through the line of scrimmage and scoring, you know, 50, 60 yard touchdowns, I think they're going to control the clock and really just kind of, I don't know, just take control of this game. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm touching that total. It's just so low. It's so low. But I, I respect your thoughts on that total. There you go. I understand. All right, so we agree so far here in bowl season. How about the Sun Bowl? Pittsburgh, 8-4 and four versus number 18 UCLA, 9-3 and three in El Paso. 2 o'clock on CBS on December 30th. This is December 30th. We've got three really big – or sorry, no, the 31st. We've got three really big ACC games. But the 30th also later in the season, I think a lot of – Eyes will be on this game. And it's, it's simply to put this game, you got UCLA is a six point favorite. The total is 57 and a half. Mm-hmm. Pitt has key players opting out, and UCLA at this point does not. So that's a big difference. And UCLA is probably already the better team, at least offensively. And Pitt is missing, besides Abana Kanda, their best player, Kalijah mm-hmm. Kansi, who is injured. He's not necessarily opting out, he is injured. We want right. to clarify that. But it's hard to overlook that, Mac, especially when Pitt's not going to have Keaton Slovis, who entered the portal. Yeah, and uh, I, I just want to correct you correcting yourself. You were right. It's the 30th. 30th, there's massive games. There's three massive games, not the 31st. So you were correct there. Oh, yeah, it that. is. It is the 30th. It's that Friday. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're rolling on that football Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm with you in, in you know with Pittsburgh and, and losing all these guys. It's going to be really interesting to see Kalaja Kansi, consensus All-American. That's hard to say. All-American, uh, just an absolute baller, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. John Morgan has opted to transfer, so I assume he will not be playing. He'll be moving on. And I'm interested to see, does Baldonaldo play? You know, a guy that you know we thought was going to have a really massive year, dealt with some injuries, wasn't quite, you know, didn't take that step that we thought maybe he could. So we're going to see the next wave, you know, from Pittsburgh in this defensive line and seeing who's next because for so many years now it feels like it's been this system of we're going to get after the quarterback and they lead the country right now in sacks. Like that's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter who we play this year. The stars kind of aligned with talent in regards to some absolute dogs that are going to go on to the next level and, and have really successful careers. But now we're going to see the younger guys and Dayon Hayes is a name to watch. He had three sacks against Miami went nuts, really impressive hat trick there. I think he's going to be that future star on this defensive line. So I'm very intrigued to see that. Uh, And and then on the offensive side, no Keaton Slovis, but 
I don't really care. Like, I'm not super concerned. Pitt's not throwing the ball for 300 yards a game. Right. They're running it. So as long as Izzy plays. As long as Izzy's him, there. Just anybody that can hand it to him. I mean, I don't care who it is. I would like to probably see uh, Yarnell over or Yarnell over Patty. I, I think mm. when he got his opportunity, he looked really good in that game. I think it was Western Michigan. So I'd like to see him expand on that. But at the end of the day, I don't think that matters either because, you know, uh, Jakovic is coming to town. And he ain't coming to town to sit like he, he's going to be the starter. So it's going to be really intriguing to see what this pit team can do here offensively. Yeah. And I think it's not doesn't necessarily matter who's at quarterback as long as a is out there. And for UCLA, Mac, as of now, we've got Dorian Thompson Robinson playing. We've got Zach Charbonnet playing. We've got an electric offense for UCLA that can really put up points. Uh, the defense has been suspect at times, but their offense can absolutely get it done. So this yeah. is going to be a challenge for Pitt, especially for a team that we know loves man coverage. I mean, you, you've you got to be able to win some of these one-on-one matchups. Otherwise, UCLA can really tear you up. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's a great point that you just bring up there about the man coverage because what absolutely kills man coverage? A mobile quarterback. If your head's turned, you're 30 yards downfield on, on a post or on a go route – you look up and QB's running, DTR's mm-hmm. screaming downfield. He's been so effective, you know, with his legs and just a really solid quarterback. I mean, to be season long at 70%, I mean, that that's impressive to, to be able to see a young man completing at that level of, of you know, yeah. accuracy there and composure. So they've got to be on their P's and Q's. They've got to get after him. And, you know, kind of similar, if you if you reflect back as a Pitt fan to that Tennessee game, they had Hendon Hooker dead in the water so many times and could not bring him down. Mm-hmm. You have to do that against DTR or, or he's going to run all over you. And, and so that's going to be a big-time thing to watch that. And then same thing with uh, you know <laughs> the running back there with, with his – yeah. not only his legs, but in the receiving game, he's such a weapon. And, and you know, two guys that have been really fun to watch for UCLA that you know hopefully they play, like KG said, haven't seen anything that they're not – Uh, But this could be a nice little exclamation point on their career. Mac, it's time for the numbers to know. Now, this game, this this stat is interesting. UCLA has not won a bowl game since 2015. I don't know how many times they've been, but that is something to keep in mind there. They did opt out of the game last year, so we'll count count that as a loss, not an opt-out. They did. That was a a forfeit. (laughs) However, UCLA has won 10 of its last games as a favorite. That's interesting. Last 11. Sorry, 10 of its last 11 games as a favorite. And then Pitt is 0-5 against the spread in their last five games as an underdog. Love that. So UCLA's a favorite. Pitt's an underdog. That's not shaping up well. I will say this. The total, for people who love the total of 57.5, the total has hit the over in four of Pitt's last five games and eight of UCLA's last ten. Wow. So really, <laughs> it, it, it matters if you think Pitt can score. That's right. kind of where this total is at. Um, but when I look at UCLA's recent success as a favorite and Pitt's recent lack of success as an underdog, plus I just think UCLA is the better team with their their guys are playing, I'm going to take UCLA minus six here. Yeah, and, and this one is it's just so interesting to me, KG, because I, I see how Pittsburgh finished, and, and they go 4-0 yeah. in November. The Only a couple of teams in all of FBS have done that in back-to-back years, Pitt being one of them. Look at UCLA, kind of struggled. Offense looked really good and then kind of didn't look good. So it's kind of this Jekyll and Hyde, like who's going to show up? Which offense for UCLA is going to be there? Is it the one that can score on anybody on any time? Is the defense going to do enough to be able to win the game? 
With all that said, I think there's too much firepower. I mm. hold the right to change this if DTR does not play. But okay. I'm going with UCLA. I, I think they cover. I think the over is surely in play here as well. Uh, going to be a fun game regardless. It's going to be absolute fireworks. I thought you might go pit there. All right. We are I want agreeing to. I really want so to, far. Just quickly, because Mac and I have agreed on every pick so far. We're taking Louisville minus one, Wake minus one, Duke minus two. But then when we get to these last two games, we're taking Minnesota minus seven and a half and UCLA minus six. We are taking all favorites right now. Ugh. Oh, no, we're losers. Oh, gosh. I don't like it, Mac. <laughs> maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll have a little asterisk on our uh, on No, our no, no. Graph. We got it back. We got to stick to it. You got to ride it. Okay, I understand. Yeah. I understand. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay, well, it's Football Friday, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Really great episode. Big shout-out to Riley and Kat again for getting this done for us. I know it's a busy time with finals and everybody getting prepped for this bowl. Next week, we have a massive week. Super excited. Monday, you're not going to want to miss it. KG has already thrown it out on Twitter, so I don't have to hide yeah. my hints. I can straight up tell you. She makes fun of me all the time, but here she is doing it in plain sight. <laughs> it's true. Dylan it's Gibbons true. joining us on Monday. Honestly, if not one of my favorite episodes we've ever done one of the most impressive young men i've ever spoken to he's not really a young man he's old he's like two years younger than me we're the same age so with that being said cannot wait check that out on monday uh but that's it for us this episode go check out our producer richmond weaver he does such a great job for us rich take on sports uh has so many fun stories on there all these different walks of life athletically in games of sport go check that out it's a lot of fun uh but that's it from us we need you to go over to youtube mash that subscribe button, leave some comments. It's fun to hear from you guys. Also go over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe there. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.